0: DJ Shadow there, you are on In Your Face on 3CR with James, joined by Jeremy Cowan, the Reason Party candidate for Richmond at the Victoria election. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thanks, James. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking through your pictures on the socials, and you are having a ball campaigning, I can tell. Absolutely. It's
1: absolutely great to be out there. I've just been... I ran in the local council election in 2020 where we couldn't leave the House to do the campaigning, so I'm loving actually being with people in real life, talking to them on the streets. It's fabulous.
0: So what are the issues that you're
1: running on? Primarily, equality and equity. There is so still so many issues for so many people out there across um, Victoria that we just don't think about on a day-to-day basis. There is still an issue with um Intergen- intergenerational ageing and people just having access to the services they need. And so whilst we might think we've got it good in uh, Metro Melbourne, there's a lot of people in the rest of Victoria that can't get access to the things they need. They have to drive two or three hours to a psychologist or things like that. And even in our own community, you know, we might think in Melbourne, there's so many things around us and everything's always happening. But there are still so many people who struggle with loneliness, even in our um, urban community like Richmond. Um, and that has so many different effects on our mental health and our physical health. So really trying to um, yeah address those uh, issues of
0: equity. So you're really committed to addressing disadvantage, but you also have a strong sense of of wellbeing issues as well. What's the background that gave you that kind of empathy?
1: Yeah, completely. Um, and it's a very personal uh, story that got me here. Um, so for a very long time, I've suffered with depression and anxiety and um, PTSD. I was. Um, I found lockdowns very difficult because I'm a flight attendant, so I wasn't able to do the thing I loved more than anything, which was fly and help people. So, I was locked down just like everyone else. Everyone struggled with this. I was locked down, and I really struggled with my own mental health. Um, It got to the point where I actually had to be hospitalised for my mental health, which was um, really challenging it was that moment of being hospitalised that I actually realised my immense privilege in being able to access that hospital's provide provider. You know, now a couple of years later, I'm so much better. I'm back to how I was pre-COVID, and my mental health has recovered. But I just think about all the people that didn't have the support services to access. You know, when they're in those crisis modes. I was really lucky because I was able to access help, but not everyone is. And so that's why I'm running. That's why I'm, that's where that empathy has come from is that my own lived experience of being in the worst case situation, being hospitalized and like I know that's I know everyone struggles with mental health, you know, <laughs> it seems like pre after covid, everyone's struggling with it. There are so many people who um who were struggling with it, and I consider myself one of the lucky ones, and that's why I want to help others.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, getting a hospital bed during a surging pandemic, it sounds like you're really grateful for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you're running for Richmond. You, um, you ran for local government. That must have been a great warm-up. Oh, terrific.
1: Yes. I knew it was going to be a steep learning curve, but I... It was even more than I could imagine. You know, there's every day I'm learning more and more about how to run a campaign. Obviously, it's just me running by myself, pretty much. We've got a party, but, you know, our resources are stretched thin, so
0: I'm just having a ball. <laughs> and, of course, it's a quite a queer field in Richmond for this state election. There's, there's numerous queer candidates. Oh, yes. Tell us the backstory to how you ended up with reason. Yeah, it's... Well,
1: First of all, isn't it wonderful that we are more than likely going to have a queer person representing Richmond, like nearly all the candidates are. So first of all, that's fabulous. Um but so I ended up with reason out of a bit of um disaffection for the other parties and really um struggling with uh, where to put my um efforts into. I am not someone to sit back and just like let things roll over so I was really keen to help out and I just saw that what Fiona Patton our um member for the Northern Metro region was doing was punching well above her weight to be honest she's one member in Victoria but she's done so many wonderful things like Helping like get uh, safe access zones around abortion clinics, legalising Uber to operate in Victoria, all these sorts of things, and I thought was just beyond what any other party was doing. And um, yeah, I thought her funny backstory of coming from the um, sex work advocacy background was just. Perfect, I love the
0: weird backgrounds, and of course, being a queer person, you kind of you know you're used to that kind of trippy weird stuff and being on the edge as well, you know, which our community is especially in in Richmond, which is such an artistic community absolutely, completely. I think our party
1: is full of people who are on the outside, and that's why I love it. There is no one who has come up through political staffers or have you know done degrees in politics and then gone on to be a staffer and then gone on to be an MP. We've got sex workers, we've got flight attendants, we've got firefighters, we've come from all these different backgrounds and we've it brings such a depth and um richness to our uh policy platform and our outlook and yet such an appreciation of the underappreciated, such as the arts. You know, we have we have a problem with arts funding. It's chronically underfunded. And I think as outsiders, the outsider party, you might like to call it, yeah, we have a great appreciation of that.
0: And what are people telling you when you door knock or you're, you know, at shopping centres or you're on the streets? Like, what are some of the things, the themes that keep coming up? Mm,
1: there, there's, um, I've had so many conversations and there's so many different um, priorities, which I absolutely love. Um one issue is of course the climate change like without a doubt we're in Richmond everyone's thinking about it um so I'm I'm really proud to say reason has a policy of net zero by 2030 it's just what the science says we need to do and I'm and I'm that's what I'm hearing from people as well that's one of their number one priorities um and in particular the logging of our native forests are just like it's almost the number one issue that I'm hearing from people when we're talking about climate is the logging of native forests in Victoria, which most of it ends up as paper mulch being exported overseas. It's just awful. Um, Other things I'm hearing is things like uh, discrimination, like, which comes back to my equity issue of, you know, Religious institutions, religious hospitals, they're allowed to refuse access to things like contraceptives or abortions just based on the fact that they're a religious institution. And that to me is discrimination to anyone, you know. And um, it's something I'm fighting for, and it's something I'm hearing from
0: people as well. We want to get religion out of politics. And it's in the news, isn't it? Because Matthew Guy, the leader of the Liberal Party, has said that he'll bring back, you know, he'll reverse the government's exemptions around religious organisations being able to discriminate. That's a worry, especially for our community. It's astonishing. It's astonishing that in 2022, the Liberals
1: think they have a chance to victory above all else. They think it's a winning argument that... The religious schools should be able to discriminate against teachers and queer teachers and students. Like I just, it blows your mind. Um, but also, I mean, the Labor Party—they uh, voted down a, a a proposal by Fiona Patton of the Reason Party to make sure that religious hospitals couldn't discriminate against um, uh, LGBTQIA plus people to access things like contraceptives or uh, abortions and. So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what the Liberals are doing, but Labour too, they've voted against, you know, this really sensible sort of secular policy that I thought would be right
0: in place in Victoria. Fiona Patton is a bit of a kind of iconic figure in the LGBTIQ community here in Melbourne. Are you finding that that kind of stardust is rubbing off on you when you do talk to people out in the streets?
1: <laughs> I wish, I wish. If only we could have a hundred Fiona's, we would be set. Um No, as soon as I say the name Fiona Patton, we have nothing but well wishes and just admiration. She's got just a bit of personality and lovability and also she gets work done. You know, she works hard and people love that about her. I know. I wish I could have a bit of that.
0: <laughs> what about drug law reform? What's your position on that?
1: We need to decriminalise all use or drug use um, and possession. That's pretty simple. We need to legalise cannabis. Um, our simple policy is that drug use is a, a health issue, not a criminal issue. People's outlooks in lives do not get better when we put them in jail. They only get worse. And that will continue across generations. So if we decriminalise um, drug use and possession, then people can get the health care they need, not a prison cell. Because that, you might think that taking someone into prison would help their drug issues, but it actually doesn't. And so what we are about is a caring, empathetic policy suite that looks after people. It doesn't just throw them in
0: prison because that doesn't help anyone. Jeremy Cowan from The Reason Party. Uh, Thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR. Thank you so much, James. And here's the cure. slippy on in your face on 3C with so James joined by the fabulous deed Akuri. Hello
2: hello. When they invented the term busy homosexual <laughs> they were thinking of you. <laughs> Clearly, I you know, I broke the moulding busyness. What have you been up to because you're everywhere you know, as always? You know what's funny, even though I'm being everywhere, this is my first month kind of having a bit of a breather um compared to the last couple of months after coming out of so many lockdowns. I've just come back from Hobart. I was doing an event there with Miss Iima Star to raise money for the Cancer Council of Tasmania, which was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, last week we just had the launch of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival Guide, which is coming in November, which is really exciting so I've, I'm I'm kind of enjoying the fact that I get a little bit of a breather in October well it's not much I mean the
0: queer Film festival <laughs> starting up real soon
2: and summer's just-, just around the corner then we've got world pride there's a lot and also, you're still doing all your trivial stuff at the ledge, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, entertaining is what I do, so I keep rolling with it. Absolutely. So, you're working full-time when you're doing all of this, but it feels like a break because you're not doing 158%. It, well, exactly. And also, I mean, we've talked about this before when I've been on the show. Like, I came out of the two years of COVID lockdowns in and out and didn't actually give myself a breather like so many people did because so many people are smart. Uh, so, I actually went a little differently and I i 've been going gun ho, and now i 'm giving myself that little bit of a rest before we kick into an amazing. Pride season all around Australia. Because let's face it, you know, f- feast festivals just around the corner as well, and Australia's going to be kicking on with more pride and queerness. It's amazing, actually. You mentioned Pride. I mean, I went
0: to the Victorian Pride Centre. Can you believe it for the first time
2: last week? And Isn't I, was it pretty, gorgeous? I was blown away by it actually. It's, what a great meeting place. It's such a great meeting place. It's such a great space for so much diversity. They've just they've still got an amazing fringe program going on there at yes, the moment, which yes. is so brilliant. And finally, Thomas and the team at the Pride Centre have been able to create Create this breadth and depth of art and entertainment. Keep your eyes on the Pride Centre socials, quite frankly, because there's a lot going on, including a rooftop cinema as a part of Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Your ear is always to the ground, and your mouth—you know—you're always talking to everybody. <laughs> what are people telling you in the community? Is the burning issues at the moment? You know, I mean, the the where we're coming, there's still monkeypox which is around. Basically, that's a bit of a big um, thing there, but not in the way you might think. Obviously, we're in a really great space here within Australia and Victoria when it comes to um, how we've controlled the monkeypox outbreak that existed, you know, it, it, in the last couple of weeks there's only been two, I believe two people that have contracted it, so we've got 69 people at the moment within Victoria I believe, um, and it was 67 like a month ago, so that's actually brilliant, and the fact that we've been able to step down from any alerts or pressure about that is great, but the informing about that and the communication about A Second Jab is what's what's kind of on the tip of the tail for a lot of gay men and men who have sex with men uh, within the space currently, but so also is a lot of Bi-Visibility. Yeah, Which is wonderful. Like, we do have September, that's the big, you know, Bi-Visibility Month with Bi-Visibility Day and, and, you know, next month we're moving with Trans Day of Visibility and Remembrance and, um, but what I love is the fact that, I don't know why but that visibility for bi, the bi community and keeping a space in place for them, it just keeps elevating further which I think is really great. Yeah, I wonder what's triggered it all. I mean, it's a long time
0: coming, you know. <laughs> so long. I mean is it that we do have this really dynamic, um, well-resourced LGBTIQ community in Victoria with so many advocates and activists and there's so much dialogue and there's so much creativity I mean, and- I agree with all of that
2: except for the well, like I mean, we, we could do with more resources. Well, like, we could. You know what I mean? We we do it off, off our own backs as a community, and I yep. think that's part of it. But it's also creating space. And uh, for many years, that's not something that parts of the community have done enough. But is it that people are talking about bi-erasure so the message is getting through about, you know, don't do it? Oh, well, I think it's more than that. I think we have a lot of bi-people in the community that are standing up and, and visibly standing up and showing us who they are and why why bi-erasure, you know, it's important to not erase the space and place of many bi-people in our communities. And for years, I know many of my bi-friends have just gone, we just let it go. And we've hit this tipping point where there's no reason for us to do that. It's called respect and it shouldn't be that hard to give. Well, you know, we are an alphabet of a community where it queer community,
0: you know, bi and queer. I mean, you know, it's so all interrelated, isn't it? But,
2: um, you know, like the bi part of the community is the biggest part probably, isn't it? Well, I mean, I don't have the maths on it, but, you know. No one does. No one has the maths on it and nor should we need to. Like if only there was some kind of census that our community could be a part of that might be able to (laughs) count for us. Like that, that, wouldn't that make a huge difference? (laughs) Well, yeah, elbow if you're listening. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but. I think it's important that we acknowledge not just the community but the fact that their needs are different, yep. you know, and, and their experiences are different and how we treat, just like we've, we've done, started to do a lot with the trans community but still need to do more for the trans and gender diverse community, that the needs of how we approach things are different. And I think a lot of our organisations are, are getting on board in a way that they finally can, where the government's giving them funding to be able to do that as well and creating space for that visibility in what they do and how, which I think is so important. So you mentioned buy issues in relation to monkeypox. Um, tell us a bit more about that. Well, there was a lot of like, should I be, you know, when, when the information came out about who should be getting uh, the monkeypox vaccine, we did have a lot of people that were like, oh, should it be me, should it not? And there was a lot of, uh, Thorn Harbour did a lot of work to create some space to go, yes, if you're a female identifying individual who has sex with men, who have sex with men, then yes, please come in and get it. But the information, as we well know, was really getting it out there to everyone was really difficult. But as a community, we've had a great response in regards to the to the monkey Epidemic that, or pandemic, sorry, that exists, and um, worldwide we're seeing that cli- you know climbing back, which is really fantastic and wonderful to see. What's great as well is you know now we're gonna, in the next month or so, step into the place where people get a second jab. At the moment, the second jabs allowed for those people who are immunocompromised, but I will stress that doesn't mean people with type two diabetes or people living with HIV under the banner of that. But a lot of people are thinking about monkeypox like they're thinking about COVID vaccines, so there can be a bit of confusion about about it. With at the moment with monkeypox the data keeps growing and we're finding out more. And at first we thought after 28 days you have to get your second vaccine, but that's not actually the case. It's at least 28 days that you can get your vaccine and data is starting to show that the longer you wait to get that second vaccine, the more of a positive impact that can have. Now we here in Victoria are going to be able to uh, start rolling out the organizations will start rolling out Our, um, second dose of vaccines probably in the next month or so. As we await that new shipment any day now. Well, it's it's any month now. It'll be just over a month, I reckon, you know, but unlike before when we had this initial one where Thornhubber did a lot of the rolling out, this will have a bit more of a broader spectrum, which I think is really fantastic so that more people within the community that need to get it can. The interesting thing about monkeypox is so many people were so concerned about it just because our You know, tension and anxiety levels are so high, but a bigger concern would be actually chlamydia. The thing with monkeypox is it comes and it goes, and while there's big periods of time where you might have to isolate, or it might be have a quite a pain threshold, it does go away. Where chlamydia, if left untreated, which is a big concern that we currently have within a- Australia, you know, can make things really worse for people on a lot of different spaces and levels. So what? You don't I, even know you've got it necessarily. Exactly, you know. If, if what I would say to people is, you know, if you're going to get your monkeypox vaccine, or you're thinking about your sexual health in a way where you want to be responsible, just go up and get a checkup before, you know, summer kicks on in, there's no harm in, you, some people wait the three months, some people do it differently, there's no harm in going, you know what, I've got some space and time now, I'm going give, to give myself a sexual health checkup, because it's good to have, and the thing with chlamydia, you may not know you have it, you may know you have it, but left untreated, the reality of all of this is treatment is key, and the only way to know is to step on in. Yeah, now that, that, that new shipment of, of vaccines, you're saying you're hearing it's going to arrive next month, possibly. Well, well, it's, it's by the end of the month. Um, but I think we should anticipate we'll learn about it more mid-November. I don't have the exact data. And, um, Brett Sutton has said the, Ch- the chief health officer has said by the end of this month, but, um, I just get freaked out when people hold focus to dates because of anxiety and stress. And what I think people should remember is we as a community have had a really robust and positive reaction to how we manage and treat ourselves in regard to this situation. It's not just about vaccination. And one of the brilliant things about that vaccination is realising that they they could use one fifth of the virus and actually do it. The dose sharing. You know, the dose sharing was absolutely amazing and that made a huge difference to how many people could could actually get uh, the vaccine. But the thing we also need to remember is, you know, people thought about how they were doing their sexual practices. They were still engaging in, in sexual relations in a way that made them feel happy and joyous and loved, you know, unlike with COVID where we all kind of shut down and isolated. and was, But people were taking responsibility into their own hands. And I, I just want to stress as we move mm-hmm. into summer, do that for all your sexualness. Get an STI test, basically. That's my tip but um, I think it's really just important to remember that we, we all did this as a community. We were proactive and that's what we do. You know, we as a community, it's, it's always from the ground up. And I, I think while it's great to pat ourselves on the back, to remember that it's through, you know, getting that second booster, thinking about how we engage with things and people and what we do and how, and just keeping that in mind as we keep moving through our day-to-day lives is really important. Dina Curry, always great to see you at 3CR. Thanks for popping in. <laughs> always
0: my pleasure. The wonderful Dina Curry there. You are in your face on 3CR. Up real soon, Lauren O'Dwyer. Here on 3CR. When the rhythm starts to play, dance with
3: me, make me sway. Like the lazy ocean up the shore. Hold me close, sway me more. Flashing lights of devotion, circling in slow motion. I kiss the lips of Chandelier, you can't stop me from swinging So, follow me into the dog Break up a piece of your heart Sell it for, sell it for, sell it for money and cost Come on, whatever you want
0: Her fantastic, outstanding comeback album, Weather Alive. That was Beth Orton with Fractals. You're right on In Your Face on 3C. I'll James joined by Lauren O'Dwyer, who is the Labor candidate for Richmond at the state election. Welcome to the show. Oh,
4: thanks for having me, James. I'm stoked.
0: It's um great to have you on board. And I'll tell you what, you are not afraid of controversy.
4: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Well look, you know,
0: I mean you've you've been pretty gutsy. I mean, you know, you spoke out against um the renaming of Maroonda Hospital. Um, and so I think that says a lot.
4: Yeah. No, look, I think it's important to, um, regardless of your own personal views, represent the people of an electorate. And we were hearing really loud and clear from the people of Richmond um, that that particular decision didn't represent their views. Um, And, you know, this is a seat that I really want to make sure that I'm representing the views of the locals and the majority of the locals. And um, it it would have been uh, remiss of me not not to stand up and represent them on that.
0: Yeah. So you're out and about. You're talking to lots of people in Richmond, which takes in, you know, this area, Fitzroy, yeah. Collingwood, Richmond, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a city kind of, you know, turf. Um, what are people telling you?
4: Oh, for what is one of the smallest geographic s- seats, electorates in the entire state, it's, um, it's pretty disparate in terms of people's views. You've got people down in Richmond who are, you know, very enthusiastic about one part of the area, whereas people up in Fitzroy and Collingwood are enthusiastic about others. So for me, it's important to make sure all the different suburbs are represented. At the end of the day, climate. Climate, climate is is number one in there and the fact that they want to make sure that they've got a really strong representative that can be a part of a government to make change.
0: And uh, First Nations Indigenous issues are very yeah. dear to your heart. Tell us yeah. about that.
4: Yeah, no. So I've got Yorta Yorta heritage. I grew up in Echuca, uh and making sure that we have not only adequate representation within the Parliament, but we have self determined processes as we're going through with the Treaty at the moment is is really important to me. And that our Aboriginal communities, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, can actually speak for themselves and self determine their own journeys is is critical.
0: And great to have a First Nations person running as well. I think that's really important in an area like this, which has so much meeting place significance, so much cultural significance, so much community significance.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a rich cultural fabric. And for me, coming from the arts sector as well, being able to put my hand up as as a, um, as a descendant of some of the oldest storytellers in the entire world is something to be really proud of.
0: Wow! So tell us about your arts background.
4: Ah, so I was a theatre kid from Echuca, uh and you know, madly involved in not just the, every sporting community I can get my hands on, but the local Echuca music theatre company um, can do a pretty uh, mad rendition of Miss Hannigan from from Annie. But no, I moved to moved to Melbourne to study and went through a, a degree in theatre studies, and have never really looked back in that space. So I've worked in arts policy. I'm the chair of Theatre Works in St Kilda. I'm on the board of PBS Radio because I'm a mad for my community radio, and my day job is at Art Centre Melbourne.
0: Wow! So you're you're on board at Theatre Works. They do yeah. great stuff, and they're often on this show.
4: Are re- they are phenomenal. I love that they crossed the river to come over here. Why wouldn't you though? <laughs> no, they're absolute legends there and we obviously, like most arts organisations, struggled through the last few years and to see the work that Di Toulson and the Theatre Works team have done into not just making a really sustainable foundation but to be able to support artists that sometimes don't get profiles up anywhere else, the legacy they have created across multiple decades is something I'm so proud to be involved in.
0: What's the queer community telling you here in Richmond as you, as you campaign?
4: Representation's important. Did you, did you know, James, it's 2022, there has not been a single out lesbian in the lower house in Victoria.
0: And you're hoping to change that?
4: I'm hoping to change that, yeah.
0: Wow, not one in not the lower one, house. Not Why one. is
4: that? I don't know. I guess I haven't come around yet, James.
0: Well, that's going to be really exciting if you are, to be the, the first. That's quite trailblazing, isn't it? And we love trailblazers in the queer community.
4: We do love a bit of a trial blaze, yes, correct. I'll, I'll be in there with my overalls. I'm not too good with the power tool, um, but to be able to say that, um, that I've been able to pave the way for, for our younger communities and also continue to educate and um, destigmatise parts of our community that continue to be um, sort of prosecuted across uh, perhaps you know, other communities uh, is something that is really important to me to use my position of privilege to do so. What's your
0: response to Matthew Guy's announcement that if the Liberal Party wins the election, they will undo the uh, the religious loopholes that the Andrews government closed, closed in relation up. to discrimination and the Equal Opportunity Act? Like, yeah. What's your response? Oh,
4: James, look, I worked, um, whilst the majority of my working life has been in the arts sector, I did a stint in um, the Andrews government's um, first term as an equality advisor to our first ever equality minister. So I was I was there when we were introducing a lot of those first Pieces of legislation um, when we were introducing uh, the apology for people who'd been convicted of, of homosexual acts, getting records expunged. And I was there to watch Matthew Guy talk about when he was trying to speak in a positive way about our community how we tolerate our community. You do not tolerate people within the LGBTQIA community, uh, you celebrate us. You tolerate a head cold. I've been there to watch him and his team completely um, denigrate and speak down to and really personally attack our politicians that are from the queer community sitting on different committees. I've been there to watch the damage it does to them and I do not trust a single thing that they would do. They will continue to cause further harm to our community and really only Labor have a clear message around equality in Victoria being non-negotiable. It's only us that can, do, that can keep the libs out and it's the only way that we as a community can continue to live authentically and free of fear. And no doubt that the law has their back too. So why is he
0: doing this when he says he's a friend of the LGBTIQ community? Is it just a cynical appeal for votes from uh, right-wing religious voters?
4: Look, I've never sat around Guy's um, dinner table. I guess you'd have to ask him as to whether he genuinely uh, believes that or what his motivations are behind that.
0: Okay. And um, I mean, what are your sources telling you about the ruckus that this must be causing within the Liberal Party? I mean, we saw what happened with Scott Morrison when he was on his anti-trans crusade. Um, there must be some very disgruntled people in the Liberal Party about this and surely, you know, their discipline's going to crack.
4: Look, I imagine there would be some interesting conversations around those particular tables. Um, I'm not particularly interested in, uh, in their internal divisions. At the end of the day, my priority is making sure our community is protected and particularly, um, some of the most marginalized communities within, um, our rainbow community have, actually have the supports they need. So my attention is very much on our young trans and gender diverse community. I've got a nine year old kid, um, and, uh, you know, that's something significant to me. So I'm less interested in, in um, watching them have conversations that perhaps they should have had, I don't know, 200 years ago or never um, and more interested in making sure that our kids are looked after.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, you know, this is an attack on the trans community from the Liberal Party, isn't it?
4: Mm. Yep.
0: So tell us a little bit more about what queer people are telling you on the hustings.
4: Oh, look, at the end of the day, um, we're not a homogenous group, Um I know that there is still a lot of interest in uh, what our friends in the federal government are doing they've moved really quickly in the first hundred days um, to make their priorities clear uh, and for me it's making sure that uh, again it, and this is something that comes across on the doors on the phones on the street stalls it's our young queer community that are looked after uh, that those who are who need assistance in terms of health uh, health initiatives health funding homelessness and housing all of those things are looked after. I was stoked the other day to be able to then stand on a door and say to someone who had been kicked out of their home, we've now got dedicated funds specifically for LGBTI communities um, who are at risk of being homelessness.
0: Homelessness? Homeless. You mentioned your community radio background before. Tell us a bit about that.
4: Uh, Yeah, look, I'm 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 a... sticky carpet mad dog from way back um, and one of the reasons that I was dead set on getting myself into the inner north heartland of Melbourne from being a country kid was very much the live music scene and for me um, the role that community radio plays not just in promoting and um, supporting our live music ecology we are one of the best live music cities in the entire globe but it's also around bringing community together and we absolutely saw saw that over the last few years I'm sure you saw it here as well but at Peebs our subscriptions went up, the positive feedback we had up, memberships went up, and it was because people find community through community radio.
0: Tell us about what the Andrews government will do for community radio if it's returned.
4: Oh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you <laughs> asked. Uh, thanks for that prompt. Hey, so um, in addition to uh, my work at PBS, I've been spending a lot of time bending the ear of my friends that are currently within government and uh, uh, not only about PBS but some of the other community radio stations and uh, 3CR is obviously a, an incredible local organisation that um, that sits within this electorate. Uh, so if the Andrews government are re-elected, the Labor government are re-elected, we'll be providing a $50,000 grant to 3CR so that you can continue to deliver the valuable programming that you currently deliver and so that local volunteers can continue to enjoy this important organization cuz it look like, as a long-term community radio volunteer and as we've said, a Peebs board member, I'm so proud to support 3CR with, a, with funding like this so that our community can continue to volunteer meaningfully and we collectively and 3CR can continue to increase access to the programs that everybody loves.
0: Well, we are such a fixture in this, uh, in this part of Melbourne. We were talking off mic about how we've been here in Smith Street since 1982. It was uh, Walker Press, so it's a proud site for our local media. So always good to get support.
4: Yeah, no, and I'm thrilled to thrilled to to announce it. So hopefully, if if uh, if re-elected, we'll we'll send that cash your way, and uh, we can continue to expand the amazing work that you do. So, what
0: else are people telling you in the local area? In like, local you know, area. what are the areas that keep what are the issues that keep jumping out to you? What are the themes?
4: Yep. Uh, so, as I said, look, climate's one of the number one things. What's been amazing in the last 24 hours? So, we announced yesterday that we are going to be um, basically reintroducing government-owned, publicly-owned energy uh, and in 24 hours the feedback we've had on that and the fact that it means in terms of not only that but Bringing forward our, our, um, our targets around being net zero by 2045. The emissions reduction target is going up to 80% by 2035. Renewable electricity is going to be 95% by 2035. In 24 hours, the feedback I've had on that is incredible because consistently on the doors, it's, yeah, we can see you're awesome and it's going to be amazing to have a really strong, really local voice and strong voice within government. And we can see that you're a progressive voice. Um, But what's happening on climate, so to be able to say this is what's happening on climate has been wonderful and I'm so looking forward to getting out and telling more people about that. Hey, the other thing that's been really awesome is the Melbourne Pride Party that's coming back next year and I will obviously be there in my best lesbian blazer to be dancing away to everything that's happening on Gertrude and Smith.
0: Fantastic, and finally, Lauren. I mean, you're you're you know, if you're returned, you or if you win, you'll be mm-hmm. replacing Richard Wynne, who's been the local member since uh 1999. Yeah, big shoes years. to fill.
4: Yeah, you know what? They are big shoes, but I've measured them, and my shoes are <laughs> almost about the same size, and so much bloody trendier. Yeah. No, he's a great man, and the thing that I've really loved getting to know him more so over the years is how big his heart is, and how proud he is to have been a massive ally, particularly in the queer community. And to be able to proudly stand there amongst um, many of his gay friends to say we are now equal under the eyes of the law Um, and I'm able to retire knowing that I was able to contribute to that. So to be able to take over from a man like that who is in public office for all of the right reasons, he is the ultimate public servant, reminds reminds me as to why you're there, you're doing it for the right reasons, you're a public servant, you're there to represent the people.
0: Lauren O'Dwyer, thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR. Thanks for having me, James. Being chatting with Lauren O'Dwyer, the Labor candidate for Richmond at the Victorian state election. I am out of here. Jacob is up next with a Friday rave, but taking us out is Sade, and we'll catch you next week on In Your Face.